Welcome to the sixth edition of The Metabilis 2, starring myself, Ben, and David, too. How are you doing this evening, Ben? I am doing very well indeed, yes. I am very pleased not to be in Minnesota, where I was at the weekend, where it is very hot and humid, and I'm pleased to be back on the delightfully cool west coast of the United States, Mm -hmm. rather than its humid center. But your trip secured some artwork for our podcast. It secured some amazing artwork for our podcast. So my, yes, it's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so my delightful daughter, Madeline, who is a very skilled artist, was able to come up with a great little kind of mission patch style logo for the podcast. Yeah, it's excellent. Which, is, which includes a TARDIS and some looming blue crystals. Everything you need to broadcast the or to announce the importance of the Metabilis 2 podcast as the as the Doctor Who podcast that you must listen to yeah, every it's week. It's gorgeous. It's it's a fantastic it's fabulous. Yeah, and exactly that's what it reminded me of. It's one of the uh, Apollo or other NASA program mission patches. Yep, mission patch. And we are on a mission. We are on a mission to to talk and, and to explain and to and to intrigue. Um, we're just on a Doctor Who style mission right now, basically. We are, um, we are the ambassadors twang of who. We are the ambassadors twang of who. <laughs> we are the not impossible, we are the possible astronauts yeah. rather than the impossible astronauts. Mm-hmm. Astronaut. Anyway. Welcoming you to old and new who alike. Twang. <laughs> <laughs> we will only do, it'll just be a succession of sort of sort of puns this week. <laughs> Just complete. Just, just, just keep on doing that over and over again. It's going to be that that much fun. But incidentally, um, if anyone else wants a mission patch done of any kind of aspect of Doctor Who, just get in touch. And uh, I think Madeline's rates are very, are very reasonable. And uh, yeah, she's a very talented young artist. And we do have a way of getting in touch now. We do. You can go on Twitter, and our Twitter handle is Metabilis Two. Nice. And we also have an email at metabilis2 at gmail.com. So two ways to get a hold of us. Two ways. Two ways to get a hold of us. Not just one way. Two. But two ways. Yes, in fact. Because we are the Metabilis 2. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Well, we'll try to monitor them both. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Doctor. Only Doctor Who knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in mourning today because having just checked, I I don't know how everyone else gets their copy of Doctor Who magazine every month, um, but I certainly get mine mm-hmm. by ordering it from Who North America uh, sponsor plug. They're not actually sponsor us, but anyway. Um, and I was very very upset this morning mm-hmm. when I ordered because um, I've been away for the weekend, so I, I usually order it on Monday, but I ordered it this morning on Tuesday. Character options have just produced another full six inch sorry five inch doctor who figure set Mm -hmm. including all the 13 doctors now because i already have the 10 doctor set Mm -hmm. and now there's and now there's a 13 doctor set that i have to decide whether i want to spend a 100 bucks on buying and it's very very hard i thought it was going to be closer like to 200 bucks no, it's 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 a very actually it's a well reasonable inverted commas. It's a res- <laughs> relatively reasonable, I think, one hundred and fifteen dollars on Who North America. But you get the War Doctor, and you get you get the McGann Doctor in his full Knight of the Doctor garb. Um, you get a great repaint of William Hartnell, which I'm 
very, 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 very tempted by. And as a, another plus, you get an awesome repaint of um, Colin Baker in his uh, blue Six Doctor outfit, um, which a more subdued exactly. version of his costume. Yeah, which was the costume um, that he designed for himself for the Big Finish audio. No, sorry, not the Big Finish audio, the, uh, the BBC audio um, with the Cybermen, which I can't actually remember what that one's called now, but it stars, stars Lee and Herring, so that's kind of cool. So I thought you would be more in the third Doctor collector set with Delgado, uh, Joe Grant, and uh, Pertwee. Yeah, yeah, well, I already have that Delgado, um, and there's only a certain number of repaints that you can do of Joe. I wish they'd just do another costume of Joe, to be honest. And I, and again, for uh, for the third Doctor, I already am in, am in proud possession of the greatest of all the third Doctors, which is the gorgeous purple outfit ah. from uh, from Planet of the Daleks, mm-hmm. which is the most, uh, of course, it stars the famous David Bowie Dalek, mm-hmm. um, the Dalek Supreme, uh, with a, a glittering gold livery, and the Doctor resplendent, resplendent in glam rock purple. And that's my favorite Bowie, and I think I'm just going to stick with that. Anyway, sorry, we're getting totally off topic. We were planning to talk about the, the 2005 reboot of New Who. Yeah. So let's... Let's start talking about that instead. Early memories of it. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember how you first found out about the news? Well, good, good question. I think, uh, how did I find it? Because it was was pretty early, kind of internet-wise. I have it very closely uh, linked to, um, I just bought a copy of the uh, paperback edition of Dr. Omega, which was a Mm -hmm. reprint of a... uh, 19th century French novel by um, a man called uh, Arnold Gallopin, which had been translated by Jean-Marc and Randy Lofissier, of course, of many mm-hmm. you will know and love. Um, and I remember that just came in the mail. I was like, cool. And it was signed by Jean-Marc and signed by, signed by Randy. Uh, and it's kind of an awesome book because it's kind of like if Doctor Who had existed in the 19th century. Anyway, and I think it, actually that same morning, checking whatever whatever news sites I used to check back in 2003 or 2004, and yeah, I saw that Doctor Who was coming back, and I was absolutely gobsmacked. In fact, I think it was just the following week that I ran into my friend Greg Schall, who's another great Doctor Who fan, mm-hmm. and we were, we, we were starting to hatch plans to actually fly to London to uh, in some way i don't know watch the premiere of the show on a television in a hotel room or probably actually at my parents house to be mm-hmm. honest um uh, but that never actually happened but that was our plan originally you, you weren't planning on flying there for a casting call or anything like that no no i don't think i was going to get to be in doctor who uh, but yeah it was terrifically exciting terrifically exciting. And, and worrying as well i can still remember the concern um about how were they going to handle it all was it going to be good and then, you know, I think the more we found out about it and the more that it was Russell T. Davis, who is a, a man who actually knows knows how to do this stuff and is also a Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah. I think actually the main horror was hearing that uh, Billy, uh, Billy Piper had been cast as the assistant because, of course, coming from Britain, we only really know her as Billy, mm-hmm. the popstrel from the mid-90s. Um, but, she, of mm-hmm. course, she did an amazing job. So good on her yeah mm-hmm. how about you what are your memories of finding out that who was on its way knew who was on its way well i found out through outpost gallifrey's doctor who news site at the time and i was probably going there to check on doctor who dvd of the classic series releases and then there is you know there's rumors or maybe i maybe i even heard I, basically there's rumors and there was this article on the on telegraph website about the return of doctor mm. who and sort of like okay well the telegraph isn't really a tabloid so maybe this has some credibility so they're 
It's a big Lloyd. <laughs> Had some rumor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Have it in there. Yeah. <laughs> and... And then the following day, the BBC News had an article up. And then it's sort of like, well, they have a picture of Tom Baker and Lala Ward there and list of past doctors. And it just sort of like, hmm, this is interesting. And then the name, Russell T. Davies, I had some familiarity with, but I hadn't read any of his uh, novels or any of his works either. So... It was very interesting. It was all sort of like, well, yeah. it could be okay. It certainly had more promise, I think, than the McGann 1996 American co-production yeah. with the BBC. And I think there was originally only speculating that they were only going to be a series of six stories. And this was in 2003. And honestly, it was a really nice distraction because... That year, I was being relocated from Colorado out to the Pacific Northwest. Oh, it was that year. Okay. Yeah. And also, we were in the middle of the Iraq War. So it was just a very nice distraction to see something I never thought I would see in your life. Revived. Yeah, exactly. Come back. And then I think Billy Piper wasn't cast until the following year, probably sometime in march or maybe did you, i i don't remember exactly when she was cast yeah i can I, I mean i can remember being concerned about that because you know i think you know one one's mm-hmm. mind scrolls back to um the casting decisions made mm-hmm. in the 80s which lots of uh, opinions upon but you know in, in some ways they were they were sometimes poor and we talked about that last week but yeah so was, and, uh, she did was a really billy, good job was billy piper cast before christopher eccleston I vaguely think she was, but my memory is certainly fuzzy. Yeah, on that. I think I think we'd have to find out when they were all announced. Uh, I think it's possible, actually. Uh, I mean, I know I know Chris Eccleston obviously had worked with Russell T. Davis on I think at least one show. That show, uh, the Messiah show, um, mm-hmm. kind of Manchester. I can't remember what it's called now. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But they they had worked together, and I'd, I'd I'd actually been a fan. I mean, Christopher Eccleston is a f- fabulous actor. I did that, yeah, that amazing turn in Cracker with uh, Robbie Coltrane as a as a kind of policeman who was also a kind of vengeful serial killer connected to the um, to uh, one of the football disasters in uh, in Liverpool in the uh, in the late nineteen eighties, um, the Hillsborough disaster. I'm sorry. And again, actually, I think that same year, uh, my wife and I had seen him in Twenty Eight Days Later, mm-hmm. where he plays a ostensibly good character who then spoiler alert turns out to be a villain um not a zombie but an actual villain um and he's a great actor and again i've been aware of him for a while i mean i think i remember again i remember being delighted that they'd actually picked you know someone who could act Mm -hmm. you know i mean an actor for the role right and some of the names that were being speculated early on were i think bill nye yes i remember that Mm. eddie eddie izzard was another one that was being floated right Um, right I think even Sean Pertwee, Paul and Paul McGann, Richard E. Grant, you know, they, they all were being names being floated. And I think Bill Nighy was the probably the strongest contender early on. Yeah. And so Christopher Eccleston was kind of a surprise casting decision. I think he came out of left field. Yeah. I'd, and again, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the Bill Nye mm-hmm. idea, of course, you know, he's a kind of silver haired gent, you know, which I think in the public mind, one thing, oh, you know, that's what Doctor Who mm-hmm. should be like. 
And I, but Crystal Robinson, I think, just an inspired, just an inspired yeah, yeah. casting choice, which got me really, really excited about mm-hmm. the show. And more, more on Christopher Exxon later, but I guess with Billy Piper, I was kind of relieved that it was Billy Piper. Really? Because some of the actresses that were being considered at the time, I thought were really a bad match. And so I knew that she was a pop singer, and I thought, well, this might attract an audience, and at least, you know, it was going to be a different show just by the casting of Billy Piper. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I mean, again, you know, as, as said, living through the 90s in the UK, I mean, she was like kind of a a not very good copy of Kylie Minogue. And, you know, she came from Swindon, which is near where my family now lives. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, there were a lot of strikes against her um, <laughs> in terms of like, uh, that's well, is this really going to work? But, you know, I stand absolutely corrected. She did an amazing job. Mm-hmm absolutely amazing job i think all the actresses that we've had as companions in the reboot series have been have done an excellent job and not always with the best material either so yeah absolutely i think think we've been fortunate or we have had good casting yeah 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 and then when the writers were being introduced we had paul cornell which already had definite uh credentials in the who world with working on time worm and all, yep, all the yep. all the virgin novels and i believe he was writing for big finish at the time wasn't he all also working on scream of the shalker as well yeah I, he was the writer for yeah. shalker and so that was kind of before the news of actually being returned to bbc one scream of the shalker was the direction that it looked like doctor who was going to return and sort of like Hmm, it looks like, okay, mostly audio with some really rough uh, yeah. web-based animation. That looks like the face of yeah. who going forward. I mean, actually, I think I can remember, we think Scream the Shaka was almost exactly at the same time that it was the new Who was yes. announced. And I think, again, I think I think one of my memories is like, oh, great, okay, well, you know, because I really enjoyed the big finish audios and I'd be buying those. And I think it was about, actually, to go back to my comments about action figures, I think it was at that same time that real time, the blue Colin Baker of Cybermen BBC audio had been produced with uh, Stuart Lee and Richard Herring mm-hmm. in starring roles. So I was like, I was kind of adapting myself to kind of, okay, this is what who's going to be mm-hmm. like, which is, you know, okay, it's going to kind of, it's going to be like an internet-y audio thing. Mm-hmm. And then to suddenly hear that it's, it's actually going to be like a real live TV mm-hmm. show was just just really mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Which really put Shalka kind of in an alternative world, yeah. so to speak. It's, it, it joins uh, Peter Cushing. Yeah, it is. I am ashamed, and, and, and David, you can, can um, maybe add more, but I'm ashamed. I've never actually, I've never listened to Scream the Shalka. I watched Shalka when it was on the web, mm-hmm. and is it good? I guess it had a DVD release. It did. I watched it at work where I had broadband, <laughs> even, where I could actually... Actually, could get get a before, before or after they relocated you to the West Coast. <laughs> well, I have to. I think it was that. I don't Who's know. Up? Probably okay. concurrently. Okay, all right. It's all a blur. But yeah, I remember watching it at work, and I have a, a friend at work who was a big fan of Doctor Who, and we kind of just went meh. Yeah, we weren't meh. we weren't really very excited by it at all, and sort of like, well, you know, it, it's not for us, and yeah, it's it's not really canon because it wasn't broadcast on television. Yeah, so. yeah. Because again, I think at the same time, the BBC, there was that Death Comes to Time piece with Sylvester McCoy um, mm-hmm. and Ace is back again. And Stephen Fry is like the Minister of Time, sorry, Minister of Chance. Um, and they're kind of rebooting the Cyberman and sorry, rebooting the, the Time Lords. Seems to be a lot of kind of Doctor Who fizzing around. Mm-hmm. As usual, of course, the BBC not actually knowing uh, what one hand is doing from the, what the left hand is right. doing from the right hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But it was a, it was also right about that time. Big Finish had their license renewed too. So yeah. I and I listening. Have you been listening to Toby Haddock's Who's Rounds at all? 
I have not. No, I have not been okay, able to catch so up with those. I, yeah, so RTD was interviewed in him, and I believe that he had a hand in making sure that there was continuity with Big Finish, basically by them keeping it on the QT, you know, on the down low. Right, right. So not right. trying not to call any attention to it, and so that renewed their yeah. license so they could continue to make quality Doctor Who audio. So. Absolutely. I, I think it's gorgeous that having fans running the TV show, the fans mm-hmm. who were careful to make sure that there's not kind of Star Trek-style ridiculous continuity, but there is some level of continuity across the platforms, even the independent platforms, I think is wonderful. So grateful for that, which I think, you know, RTD started, and I think Moffat has continued, and hopefully mm-hmm. Chibnall will continue as well. I mean, I'm very, very excited to hear the new Tenant and Donna, Tenth Doctor and Donna audios that Big Finish are yeah, doing. Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate is fabulous. She's amazing. Really, really great to hear. Wonderful. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So, so that that whole year of two thousand four is you know is a stro- it, it was it's nowhere it was very s- slow trickle of news just coming mm. coming through. I remember uh, uh, Verity Lambert was still alive then, and she had you know she was thrilled <laughs> for the return of her you know what got her. Baby got her started in as a producer of Absolutely. In television so it was but did we think at the time that who would become such a kind of world spanning smash world hit that it is now i mean i mean what did you feel that it was i mean did you think it was i mean obviously we were going to like it because you know we'd like doctor who if it was like a man in a bucket right we're we're gonna watch who over and over again we're gonna watch it whether (laughs) whether it was good or bad we were gonna watch it yeah i mean we both own the dvd of time lash you know i mean we'll just yeah we'll do anything uh it's a it's a sock puppet saying ah doctor who Uh, but but did you think it was (laughs) <laughs> did, did you think ever, everyone else was going to like it too? Well, I, again, when I said with Billy Piper, when I read that Billy Piper was cast, I thought that it was going to be different. Now, whether it was going to be universally liked, or I had no idea that it was going to have reached the global audience and expand fandom like it has. Mm. But I did realize then that it's probably not going to be a return of the 80s. It's not going to follow on very closely from like the McGann type era. It's going to be, it's going to be its own thing. And yeah. when we learn more about Rose's backstory mm-hmm, and stuff, mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought, well, this, they're really playing it towards British audience. It seemed like it had a little, a little bit of Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of Buffy, bit, so a little bit I of Josh. He's talked about that, yeah. yeah. A little bit of Josh Whedon influence yeah. type thing. Yeah. So it seemed like it had potential, I guess. I yeah. Think. But yeah. what? But I certainly was not prepared for the boom in fandom, so to speak. And then yeah. I had a lot going on in my life at the time, and as I had young kids, and it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and with things going on in the world, with my relocation. It was. It just was a really nice, a nice distraction from yeah, reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think excited me about it was RTD fighting to have uh, have the show be on Saturday evenings mm-hmm. again. And I think he's on record as saying he wanted to reestablish the essential Saturdayness 
of of who and i think you know almost single-handedly the show and again your tv is so different in britain than it is in the united states right. and i cannot i cannot overemphasize to our my american friends how different television is in the uk from the united states but again doctor who single-handedly revitalized saturday night as a time when people would watch TV. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night had been like a desert for television in the UK for mm-hmm. many, many years. Uh, it was just kind of national lottery shows and kind of, you know, crappy game shows and sport. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, talking to American audiences when there's no really such thing as... And actually, you know, I think nowadays, of course, there's no such thing as appointment TV anyway. But certainly back in those days of uh, 2005, uh, when, when Doctor Who came back onto, onto Saturday night, Saturday night became an appointment TV night. And, you know, families, so like the grown-ups and the kids and assorted relatives would gather around the television set and they would watch a show together. And that is, again, I think RTD's on record. That's what television is for. You know, it, it's the hearth. It's where we gather around to be together. So had you and Amanda moved back to the States in, by 2005 then? Yeah, we moved back in 2002. Okay, all right. So, so, so I mean, I, w- I, was, I was in a bind, to be honest, because, I mean, we didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. So I had no way to watch Doctor Who um, when it came back. Mm-hmm. I do remember, again, my friend Greg shared with me, I think probably some people will remember there was a, there was a, a kind of a, a pre-effects, re- there was a mistaken release of, I think, of Rose. Yep. Um, a couple of months beforehand. And mm-hmm. I remember kind of really deciding not to watch that um, uh, because, I mean, I didn't want to spoil myself for it. Uh-huh. Uh, but in the end, um, I'm trying to remember how I managed to actually watch Rose. I think I, you know, again, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this live on air, but, you know, I think I may have torrented it. I can't remember when I first learned what a torrent was. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the way that we watched the first, I think, two seasons, so the, the one season of Eccleston and the first season of Tennant, is that my mother, God bless her, would record them on videotape, mm-hmm. on her videotape record, on her VCR, and then put them in a padded envelope, and then she would send them across the ocean. And that's how we would watch Doctor Who. Oh, wow. So it was just like fandom in the 90s or 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it's 100% because I I didn't have the know-how we didn't really have the technology to um to watch it any other way. So I think actually somewhere around I do have a videotape of the first episode of Rose mm-hmm. uh, and because it was the original broadcast episode it has the famous Graham Norton chat on it mm-hmm. where you know the, the Graham Norton show breaks through into Rose and you go like what the hell's going on? <laughs> Graham Norton's talking now when the Ortons are, are coming out of there of their hiding places. Um, but yeah, no, that's the way, that's the way that we watched the first, the first couple of seasons. So, yeah. No, we, before it, before, before it started to be on iTunes and you know, you could actually get hold of it. We, we had the Canadian leak from, oh, I think it came out in early March. So a few weeks before it was scheduled for broadcast air on March mm. 26th of March in 2005 on BBC one. So it came out a few weeks earlier. And so that's, that's how I watched Doctor Who, or first first watched new Doctor Who was on on the computer on a torrent uh, download of Rose, and it had the 1970s Delia Derbyshire Doctor Who theme music. And did it? Yeah. I did not know that. Interesting. And so it's sort of like immediately there. I said, "Well, this is right. <laughs> <laughs> They've got one thing right." Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a pathological fear of spoilers. So I, again, I, yeah. I deliberately didn't watch that leak, which is, I don't dismiss people who did, because obviously it's good to know what the hell's mm-hmm. going on. No, we, 
I guess it was so fuzzy at the time. Well, not fuzzy in quality, but it sort of it was so fuzzy whether we were going to be able to see it in North America or not, because I think it was going to be broadcast on uh, Sci-Fi in the U.S. Right, and right. With commercials. How did you watch it? How did you watch it? Ah, uh, torrents. <laughs> You did the torrent thing, uh, right? 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 I we had I had co- coworkers. I uh, had had a couple British coworkers. Had a, a friend, an American friend, who they all pooled our torrent resources together, and you know, one person would torrent, and then we'd make copies of it, and we we'd watch that, right? And, right? Because right. there is honestly, we did not want to watch it with American commercials in Doctor Who was not designed for commercials, and it's not being broadcast. No. With commercials on BBC One, obviously, yeah, and so yeah. the commercial breaks, I've I've seen them, and they just come at the weirdest times, and yeah. and yeah. all of a sudden fade to black, and it's just, it's it's not meant to be watched with commercial interruptions. So no, and I think I think this was uh, this was again one of the wonderful things about it. It was very very deliberately. It was made for you know, it was not made for export. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made for it was made for British television, mm-hmm. which was great. The way that we watched it actually, in the end, became a wonderful social thing. But because we had these videotapes arriving biweekly from my mum, mm-hmm. we would get our friends round. So ah. Amanda, my wife, and myself, we'd get Greg, our good Doctor Who friend, and his um, lovely wife Jean mm-hmm. would come round, and then um, our, their friends David and Noel would come round, and we have a couple of drinks. Were the people who did who did drink, which wasn't all of us, mm-hmm. and some snacks, and we'd sit down and we'd watch three quarters of an hour of, of Doctor Who, and if it was a double tape, we'd watch an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that became just a really lovely kind of, you know, weekly ritual. David, if you and your delightful wife Rita had been in town at that time, <laughs> we would have invited you, but sadly you you, you re- relocated by then. Yeah. Um, but it was, a, it was a really, it was a really pleasant time mm-hmm. and to have your kind of good friends come over and just watch an awesome show and then you know talk about how great it was and then just talk about all the things all the nerdy things that we like like comics and buffy and movies and mm-hmm. and stuff it was it was there was it was a really it became a really nice social and and kind of happy thing which is good yeah it was a really pleasant memories around those that first year of doctor who then very very pleasant mm-hmm. memories yeah very pleasant memories 13 weeks of joy <laughs> 13 weeks of joy doctor who 13 weeks of joy exactly yeah, and then of course. Um, uh, so, uh, re- reactions yeah. to Rose. Reactions to Rose. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> I, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought, of course, the ending was like what, and then mm, okay, um, but then I think they, re- you know, they very cleverly, uh, you know, signaled throughout throughout the episode, and I think obviously completely signaled by calling it Rose that the kind of the Autons were kind of incidental, mm-hmm. and what you were doing, you were meeting the characters, and you were meeting Rose, and you were uh, meeting. Uh, Mickey, you're, you're meeting Rose, Rosie's mom and their peer group, and most importantly, mm-hmm. you you were, you were meeting the Doctor, and you were doing that thing that I think again RTD has has, has spoken about is that is that you know anybody who meets the Doctor immediately you you want to travel with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we set up that that situation where okay you know you want to travel with the Doctor? You know it's scary, um, but it's also thrilling, mm-hmm. and it's something that any kind of an adventurous young person of any age. Uh, would want to do and that, I think that's what that episode set up mm-hmm. so well 
and it called back to some some classic scares from the past. So the uh, you know the Autons smashing through the windows, which of course they didn't do in in Spearhead from Space, but everyone remembers them doing because it, it's such a such cleverly a edited implied sound effects. Cleverly edited, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And um, all shot in Cardiff, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, which you can kind of see the joints. It's not exactly like London, but you know, it it, it, it kind of works. And even, you know, even the burping wheelie bin with Mickey, you can forgive that. It's a funny thing. And ah, I just, I just love it. I really liked it. I was so happy when I saw it. I had no problem with the burping wheelie bin at all. Um, I thought Rose was kind of dense not to pick up on plastic Auton Mickey, though. That was kind of a head scratcher, sort of like, you're not very, you're not, at least not very observant, Rose. (laughs) Put it that way. Yeah, well, she learned (laughs) over the run of the show. But yes, no, I mean, you know, I, I guess they didn't have the best, the best relationship. The thing that I think probably irked me the most was the ending in her gymnastic thing and it was probably a thing that the gymnastics never came back and it's sort of like well this is just a very true this is a character trait written for this one particular story and i i don't like one-off character trait that's that's a really accurate point and i had not thought of that before but you are entirely correct yes she never revealed her acrobatic prowess ever again Mm-hmm. At that point, I was being very irritated that they'd kind of climbed underneath the London Eye. And because I actually know what's underneath the London Eye and underneath <laughs> City Hall in London, um, it's not a great big kind of industrial space where a giant Orton could hide itself. It, it, it's really not. There's no space under there at all. And it's by the river, so you can't really dig a giant hole like that. Um, so at that point, I was like, no, no, hang on. That's wrong. There's, there's nothing like that there. So I, <laughs> I, so I sort of missed the acrobats thing a little bit. Well, Doctor Who does not, well, my feeling is Doctor Who does not take place on our Earth at all. So it's That's true. That That is true. It is a, an, alternate, an alternate timeline where there is a giant industrial space mm-hmm. underneath County Hall. Yes, so, exactly. Parallel Earth, like ours, but not quite like ours. Yes, Earth, Earth Who, exactly. Then we go directly into the future, the next episode. And I like the Doctor in plus one and Rose being as plus one. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. And... Yeah. Um, I think the thing, my biggest takeaway from that was I really liked the scene with uh, Rose and the woman who was working. Very, very carefully written little scene, exactly. A moment of charm. Right, and I thought that really gave good depth to Rose immediately after the introduction of Rose. And it's sort of like the name on the show says Doctor Who, but you really started getting a feeling that this is Rose. And I think that's where some of the backlash against Rose started to develop. It's sort of like, wait, we came here for Doctor Who, and you're telling us a story about Rose, and we're seeing everything through Rose's eyes, and Mm. we really want Doctor Who again. And it's sort of like, this is... Obviously, again, this is character-driven. The plot is taking second place to character Mm -hmm. in this story. So it was hard for me as a person who really liked the plots of classic, say, Hinchcliffe-era Doctor Who, Hinchcliffe and Holmes plotting, or Tarek's Dick's straightforward plotting, to go, okay, this has changed. This is a character-driven story, and there's pop music in it. We're listening to Tainted Love. And... Tainted Love and uh, Britney Spears, I think, right. again, also in the episode. I mean, but of course, I mean, you can think, I mean, it is, in some ways, it's a rewind back to the early days of Bill Hartnell when, you know, the story, it was a story about Ian and Barbara and, you mm-hmm. know, how, how are they going to get back to Earth? Mm-hmm. The, the show developed over time to become about Doctor Who, but originally, of course, you know, it was equally, if not more so, about, about the companions mm-hmm. as, as, the, as the identifier figures. Mm-hmm. 
The I mean, uh, yes, at the end, end of the world again. I, I I really liked. I thought some of the effects were a bit shonky with the whirling, the whirling, the whirling, the whirling blades of doom. I was very upset that the Forest of Cheem. Um, I can't remember who the Forest of Cheem woman is called now, but the, the the woman who's made of wood got all burnt up. I didn't mm-hmm. like that that much. I would um, like to see a return of the trees of Cheem to the series. Why do you not? The why, the, the Forest of Cheem do, does need to come back. They were excellent characters. Um, I didn't really like. Uh, what was the little blue man called? I can't remember what he's called now. Mox. Oh yeah, the Mox of Balhoon, exactly. I didn't okay. really care for him hugely, but I did like you know kind of hear all the weird aliens, mm-hmm. and I um, mean Cassandra was a great character, mm-hmm. and again, I mean I think they dealt they dealt with her really really well, and again you know my kids absolutely loved her as a character. I think I mean, she was voiced by Zoe Wanamaker, right? Zoe Wanamaker, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Sam Wanamaker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so, so yes, yeah, it's a crackerjack opening, and then I think we then slam straight back into the Victorian era. Yep, we get, I think, so, was it we get the blue right. title sequence, so we know we're going back in time, which was I really like that little bit of telling that RTD brought to the show, and then the Unquiet Dead, and we something for the nerds, Charles Dickens. Exactly. Yeah, Charles Dickens with Simon Callow, who of course has played Charles Dickens many times before, um, live on stage. Being Charles Dickens in Doctor Who, which was absolutely perfect. Again, story a little bit, um, little bit on the light side. And you know, much as I love Mark Gatiss, um, I think his stories often tend to be lighter, heavy on the kind of accoutrements, and a little bit light on exactly what the hell's going on. But perfectly, perfectly serviceable. Um, some great villains with the uh, whatever they were called, the the blue swirly evils. <laughs> What were they called? I can't remember. They weren't called were they, Blue Swirly Evils. Were they the Gelf? They were the Gelf, exactly. I okay. would have called them the Blue Swirly Evils, but anyway, they, they were actually the Gelf, yeah. So another alien that hasn't returned, and I think that's... So, well, we meet uh, Eve's Miles. Uh, For the first time, yeah, yeah. Playing a character who, no doubt, was a, the great-great-grandmother of Gwen out of Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Gwen. Mm-hmm. I think looking back, trying to, I'm trying to recall what I felt in 2005, and I think The Unquiet Dead was my favorite at the time. Because really? It was, okay. It was the most like classic Doctor Who, and what you would expect from the, a pastiche by Mark Gaddis. Right, right. Mark okay. Gattis, because or whatever, that's, yeah. Because that's, you know, that's type of Doctor Who that he writes. He writes these kind of throwback type episodes. Yeah, yeah classic Doctor Who and I thought it was well done and BBC doing a costume drama it was well well made and it's kind of the stealth Christmas episode that it's a Christmas episode without being a Christmas special so yeah 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 that is that, that that is that is very true very true I had more doubts after Rose I had well I had my doubts after Rose I had my doubts after the end of the world especially with uh, the pop music and just kind of the weakness of the plot but it seemed, right. it seemed like the unquiet dead was there was a plot um, limited cast there was there was something going on it was interesting seeing I think it was Rose who was right about this and the doctor being wrong and Rose having problems with the Gelf inhabiting dead bodies and right right. You know, I, I kind of had a, had a feeling of it, and then we go into the two-parter, Aliens of London. Aliens of World London. World War III. World War III. Start, starts out great with uh, the Doctor and Rose sitting on a roof, and they see a <laughs> flying saucer crash into Big Ben. And, Sweet. And uh, we're introduced to Russell T. Davies' love affair with uh, half-animal or anthropomorphic animals. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. A pig, another pigman. A pig. And, of course, another character who then recurring in Torchwood. I think the doctor who pursues the pig down the corridor is 
the Japanese character who turns up in Torchwood. Mm, okay. So anyway, yeah, Torchwood. Aliens of London, World War Three. Your big, big, you know, kind of this is going to be the big budget thing. We go into kind of, you know, weapons of mass destruction and Iraq war allegories mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the mistrust of our government. Um, they're all great big fat aliens. <laughs> I, I did, you know, obviously, you know, the farting thing is, is funny. It's not quite as funny, I think, as the show would like us to think it is. Um, kind of a funny once or funny twice type of thing, but it's not a funny for... <laughs> an hour and a half type funny yeah and i think you know obviously i think as many people will will generously admit the slovene um, family are not the most convincing aliens and i think again i think if you read around how that you know the the kind of horrors that they went mm-hmm. through trying to get that show made trying to work out what should be costumes and what should mm-hmm. be cgi and just realizing that who is as a, as a show that is way too complicated for you know to do every week one can see where the joins are on that but still i you know it was pretty satisfying i just thought the you know the slovene that they're just Mm -hmm. they're not the strongest aliens they're not the strongest they're not the strongest aliens so what do you think of uh, harriet jones of what flydale north Penelope wilton Penelope wilton as harriet jones great yeah fantastic yeah loved her as a character very sorry Mm -hmm. to see her get exterminated by daleks in the episode where she got exterminated by daleks spoiler alert also, also didn't like what the tenant did to her the, with the... Oh, the whole... Tired. Yeah, I that's a little thought bit... That was, yeah, yeah, I little, thought that was Yeah, a little bit of politics too, there. I mean, of course, again, another very, very mm-hmm. accomplished sitcom actress. Yeah, interesting thing that Russell T. Davies, doing the trick that JT yeah. did of uh, casting sitcom actress, actors and actresses, but somehow... Making, making it, work. it work. Well, I think a lot of it is about the direction and it's about talking to your... Talking to your actors and making sure they know what their characters are supposed to do. It's about mm-hmm. directing. It's about producing, really. And I think we've had that conversation before. But yeah, you know, and I, you know, Mickey comes into his own. Um, well, it's a little bit of a push with the Doctor walking Mickey through to control a Royal Navy submarine to fire a missile at ten Downing Street. Street. Yeah, a little. A little it was Doctor Who being silly but trying to be serious at the same time. And, you know, it's, it's not a bad episode. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, you're thinking a two-parter, this is going to be one of the better, better, (laughs) better stories. And it just, it just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about a story that just wasn't that good, unfortunately, then we come into the long game. Oh, nope. We're missing one. Oh, we all miss one? Oh, Dalek. Rob Sherman. Rob Sherman. With da- that, that was sweet. That was, yeah, that was great. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daleks come back, and the Doctor's all like, ooh, angsty. Well, Dalek. The Dalek, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved the scene at the beginning with the Doctor and Rose landing in, effectively, a museum. Don Staten's museum, yep. and we see a classic Cyberman in a case. And, An invasion yeah. Cyberman, yep, yep, never returned. But anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that uh, very awesome scene with Eccleston and the Dalek awesome scene with Eccleston and Billy Piper at the end with uh, Christopher Eccleston's doctor holding a big big huge alien gun threatening to blow up the Dalek Rose standing in between them and you know basically she's talking them down so it's gorgeous very 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 good RTD was bringing character drama, and this was character drama. Again, there wasn't much plot. Okay, we have a base under siege by one Dalek. 
Yeah. And I think as far as I remember, there was a lot of kind of argy-bargy and going backwards and forwards about whether the Daleks would actually be allowed to return to the show, as far as well, I remember. Yeah, I think we they were, were very concerned about that. Up until, I don't know when, but Rob Sherman originally was supposed to write this, and I believe it was going to be a... They, they thought they could get Daleks, or maybe it would be a Tox to the... The, the Tocla thing. Tocla thing, right, yeah. Which is a monster I do not like at all. <laughs> well, I quite like the Tocla thing. Okay. Yeah, and, no, I'm a reasonably good, big, reasonably big fan well, of the Tocla thing. But that's, anyway. that's later. <laughs> later, that's a Martha Jones era, so... <laughs> it is, it is. But yeah, so Dalek, awesome show, and it just really brought back the Dalek. An, an amazing performance, and... Um, uh, we pick up Adam. <laughs> pick up Adam. That's a bit of a downer. I had high hopes for Adam. I mean, I think some people thought, well, you know, maybe he'll turn into Davros. Maybe the fact <laughs> that he's been, you know, augmented in some way by the Daleks will means he'll, well, he'll come back as some kind of crazy augmented Dalek villain. You know, maybe he'll be the big well, bad st- at the end of the series. But... Well, you're, you, I think you stumbled upon Chibnall's debut episode with the return of Adam as an augmented Dalek. Exactly. Because, <laughs> of course, I mean, uh, we have, um, I think, at least one Doctor Who Virgin New, Virgin New Adventures novel, and I think an audio where... Um, Traverse Vaughn comes back, like in the far future, because of course he's half Cyberman and he, he returns. Adam could return. I'm, I'm hoping. Well, he, he wasn't Dalek augmented. He was augmented in the long game with. Uh, he was augmented in the long game. That's true. Plat- so, like a platinum. Was it Platform 42 or 24? But of course, the, the uh, Platform 24, whatever it was called, was it that way? That was a Dalek project, though, because that was. It was so. I. Uh, I Possibly those augmentations were Dalek inspired. The long game is one I don't remember much about. I just remember this as big kind of a, a bubblegum monster stuck to the top of the. Yeah, top I, didn't really of the... I didn't really understand the plot. I don't really understand the plot to this day. In fact, great way to Simon Pegg, of course, who's mm-hmm. you know who. Actually, uh, yeah, I think you have to really, really careful what you write for Simon Pegg. I think he responds really well to good scripts, mm-hmm. and I think he responds really badly to scripts that aren't that good. So, was more a, a Dalek thing, or is it, it was it the Jagrafest that was running it? The Jagrafest was involved, but I think the Daleks had something to do with it. That's why it's the long, it's the Daleks' long game to like kind of engineer their return. All right. um, Entirely, what the hell they were doing? I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to rewatch it, and I don't really want to. And Frank, uh, you know, fr- <laughs> yeah, frankly, I was just very bored by that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for that one hugely. Father's Day. Father's Day. Paul Cornell uh, giving us going full emo on mm-hmm. us again. We haven't seen those Reapers return. God knows how they would handle the Moffat era, the Reapers. But uh, well, I anyway. think that's how Chibnall fixes the Moffat era. <laughs> Oh, really? By just getting the, the Reapers to swoop in and, like, we just reaped well, it all. It, well, Moffat set the precedent that the uh, the incoming showrunner resets or retcons the entire previous retcons show. Retcons the whole thing, yeah. The previous okay. showrunner's era, so it doesn't exist. So I guess Ch- yeah. Chibnall has carte blanche now to retcon yeah. Moffat's era. But the Reapers really weren't the baddie of... Uh, no. It was, it was, again, Rose learning the rules of time travel. Yep, and yep, um, yep. the same meeting same, her father. Yeah, the same rules that Barbara had to learn in the Aztecs. Basically, we're exactly. not. We're, we can't change history. And, and I mean, can not touch, one line can go into this whole idea of a fixed point and stuff. And I guess briefly, my theory on these fixed points is: yeah, you can change history, but if you want to get back to where we started from, you can't change history because because yeah. otherwise we set it off on a different parallel. You know, the multiverse type thing and many different versions of. 
what can happen if we change our history. We're not going to be able to return back to where we started. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, you know, I mean, I think a Doctor Who has kind of wrestled for many years. You know, obviously, the Doctor finds it uh, hard to change history when we know what the history is, i.e. the history of Earth, Mm -hmm. but certainly can go to any alien planet and just completely screw around with their history and that not apparently to be a problem. Um, so yeah, that was that was a pretty and you know I, and the introduction introduction of Pete Tyler I think he was a good character mm-hmm. and his his introduction definitely pays off when we go to the second season mm-hmm. and we meet some Cybermen mm-hmm. oh, and then we're straight into I'm actually got a piece of paper here so I know what I'm talking about we're straight into um, Empty Child Doctor Dances Moffat here we go Captain goes. Jack Captain Jack yeah Moffat invention Rose hanging from a barrage balloon with a Union Jack. Uh, it's, t-shirt. You can't. You can't <laughs> say fairer than that. What a great evocation of the Blitz that was. Um, yeah, great. That was. It was. That worked really well. You know, and it was scary. And another great sit- sitcom actor playing Doctor Thingy. Um, Are you thinking the the doctor who was running the? Yes, running the asylum or whatever it was. Uh, doctor uh, Doctor Constantine. Doctor Constantine, exactly. Um, Richard Richard Wilson. Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Okay. From yeah. Uh, what was his? What was his? Um, what was his sitcom called? He was like a huge sitcom star, Richard Wilson. Um, I don't believe it. One foot in the grave. One foot in the grave. That's the one. One foot in the grave. It was a sitcom about old people. One foot in the grave. One foot in the grave. Yeah. I don't believe it. Anyway, uh, that's his. That was his catchphrase. And of course, it comes this uh, again. You have the, uh, we we get an amazing catchphrase. Are you my mummy? We still, mm-hmm. the, I think, the return of the catchphrase. I think I had a good. Yeah. The quest is the quest. <laughs> the Bristol Boys. Exactly. The Bristol Boys. <laughs> the quest is the quest. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think contact uh, has been re- made. A really nice acting job by Florence Hoth as Nancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. I think in retrospect, or even after, uh, probably in the Doctor Who magazine uh, season poll of its readership, I think it probably became the number one. Yeah. Show. It was very good. Number one appreciated. Yeah. One. Really liked the scene with uh, the sonic device and John Barrowman as Captain Jack saying, "Who has a sonic screwdriver?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that was a a fun scene. Perfect. And... Yep. Yeah. It's a lot of lot of a uh, lot of tricks in it that Moffat will will repeat over and over mm-hmm. again. But you know they're good tricks. They're good tricks. So. Yeah, yeah. I was inter- definitely introducing. Well, I guess the Curse of the Fatal Death really introduced what Moffat would be as a showrunner. But yeah, that's the true. Empty Child, the Doctor Dances, I think introduced what Moffat could be if he thought he only had one chance to be good. One, yeah, to be good because. Uh, RTD, none of the writers knew whether or not this, st- this series, the Doctor Who, would be um, repeated. Exactly. Or if it would be picked up for a second season. So this was seen as, this may be your chance in a lifetime to get Doctor Who on BBC right. yeah. to get your story in. So everyone everyone tried to bring their A game. RTD, I think, was overwhelmed. I think looking back, it would have been nice to have more writers than RTD. I think he wrote Rose, Aliens of London. Did he write the long game? He wrote the long game. He also wrote, um, he wrote Boomtown and then Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways. So he really, and 
reading through the writer's tale, he rewrote a lot. So he took a huge mantle of work on himself. That's an extraordinary book, actually. If people haven't read the writer's tale, I can mm-hmm. seriously recommend it about getting an insight of what it's like to show run and write a uh, you know a hit tv show um, of mm-hmm. which i of course know nothing about apart from having having <laughs> read the writer's tale so maybe he's wrong but anyway it's a really good read mm-hmm. and well worth picking up um yeah, so. boomtown i took uh, with speeding well, to the end of the season i really like boomtown i'm i'm a boomtown fan boomtown's one of the a sleeper things let's see i started getting annoyed or not annoyed yes annoyed <laughs> I felt I felt disappointed. I felt disappointed in the show because at this time the it, by by now it had been rumored or the leak the leak of Eccleston's departure was official. Right. And it's sort of like I can't invest in this show because I know I'm losing. I was growing to really like Eccleston as a doctor. I liked his gruffness. I liked his fantastic. I, I just liked his attitude. I liked the doctor. And to know that we would only get one season of him and know that I don't know if Doctor Who's going to be back. How much do I really want to invest in this show at that point? And so Boomtown came out. It was kind of inconsequential. Once once again, we had the Slavine. It was kind of nice seeing everyone having dinner together it was really nice of the TARDIS to bail out the doctor not forcing him to make the hard decision again um seemed to me to be a little it, what, what I liked about it it was just kind of Russell T Davis writing a show about living in Cardiff mm-hmm. which I think obviously has he has had he had a love-hate relationship with mm-hmm. with living in Cardiff because he's from Manchester and Cardiff is obviously on the other side sort of on the other side of the country but I liked it it had a it had a Welshness to it when mm-hmm. I'm big I'm a big fan of Wales as a country I, when I recommend, you know, sort of like sometimes people say, well, what's, what's the one iconic story of that season or of each season? I often recommend Boomtown as saying, well, this, this will give you some of the best of who, some of the worst of who. It's very character driven. Good point. Good point. It's very emblematic of what series one was. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I'll have to say, I, I, I actually had the opposite, almost the opposite feeling to you when I heard that Eccleston was going. Obviously, I think now we know that he could have stayed, he possibly could have stayed on for another season, but there were some problems which no one apparently is going to talk about until I'm probably dead or something. Um, but anyway, I'm, we'll find out eventually what the hell was going on. But apparently there were eruptions behind the scenes, um, mm-hmm. which led uh, Christopher to decide that he wanted to, to go. At the time, my take on it was actually that everyone was being super smart. And I, I knew, I mean, because I'd known a little bit about Christopher Eccleston as an actor in general, I thought it unlikely that he would be, he's not an actor who wants to stay a long time in a role. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really interested in that kind of stuff. He's very much an actor who always looking for new challenges. I believe so, he's primarily a movie actor and he want, and he doesn't want like a series. He wants one strong role, move on likes, to the next role. He likes to act different things. And, and my take actually at the, at the time was that RTD had deliberately picked a very strong actor mm-hmm. that he had worked with before, so he knew how that actor functioned, mm-hmm. and he deliberately had, had, had said to Eccleston, okay, you, you will have one season, and at the end of the season, we will introduce the idea that is was so radical at the end of the, of the Hartnell era that the Doctor can completely change his appearance and character, mm-hmm. um, and that the whole thing was in some way planned. So I was actually thinking, oh, this is super smart. They've got a really strong actor in to begin with. He's an actor who 
really doesn't stay in a role for a, a long period of time. And he's going to lead us through, you know, a key bit of who mythology in that this character can change. So that was my take right off on the it. bat. Okay, right off the bat. Now I'm, I think I'm wrong because I mean I think I think actually there, there were other reasons why Chris left the show. I call him Chris because he's a mate. I, I don't really because he's not. <laughs> but that was my take is that is that they were being super smart and they they, they kind of deliberately decided to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, yeah. I was very disappointed and because I had really grown to I still like the ninth doctor. I really like Christopher Eccleston's oh, I'm, doctor. I was absolutely gutted that he didn't come back for the 50th anniversary. I really would have liked, well, would have liked to seen him back to the 50th anniversary, but I just would yeah, have liked to have, have at least two seasons out of, out yeah. of him. I figured, but yeah. he was, you know, BBC wrote a contract for him only for one year. He decided not to re- yep. renew the contract. And so, the, <laughs> We we got David Tennant, which is another excellent doctor, but superb, v- very yeah. very different from Christopher very Eccleston. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Annette Badland's Margaret Slovene? Or I, I thought remember. she was great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Annette Badland. I think she's mm-hmm. an awesome actress. So uh, actor, sorry. Um, so yeah, no, she did. I mean, the main I you know I just like all aliens who hide their appearance. I you know it's it's like um like the jagroth you know um it's like how do you fit your body inside something that's smaller and i know doctor who is completely based around things that are bigger on the inside than they are mm-hmm. on the outside but still i really didn't buy the Celine, the slithines having like a zipper um i don't know just, I, th- I just didn't buy that sorry i, th- I, don't, I thought I don't it understand was how that works. i thought it was funny i thought it was like a girdle or compression socks or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah but that would be so uncomfortable though i don't know i uh, think you just i don't anyway, know anyway <laughs> I I why did they disguise themselves anyway so yeah so that's yeah that's what i think about this uh, how i think about this with, the, with their home planet name i think what are the raxacalipatorius yeah and i i kept thinking back I know RTD didn't have a uh, probably somebody typing out of scripts, but you know I remember Douglas Adams with Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy had, uh, with the name Slarty Bardfast, Slarty and the Bardfast, whole whole yeah. reason why he had Slarty Bard such a long name is because he had a secretary, or someone typing up uh, typing up the scripts for the radio series, and he just would have a really long name, so that person would have to type it out, and then he has a line in there saying, "Well, my name's not important," and he was I think just kind of twisting the <laughs> knife a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I think I think my 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 take on the whole Rexicorico Palapatorius and you know the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy, um, whatever the Jagrafess is of, is is RTD's Welsh. Um, ah. And if you know anything about the Welsh, well, if you, the one thing you that everyone knows about the Welsh language is that it's full of really, 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 really long. And hard to pronounce names, long place uh, names, <laughs> long place names, and I think you know he's a Welshman, and Welshmen they just love their language, and you know they love the musicality mm-hmm. of singing and talking, and you know Raxacorico Falapatorius is it's it's a it's a Welsh name, it's okay. all about Welsh people. See, I didn't I did not pick up on the Welshness of it, so that's it's it's Welsh. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you, there's there's Welshness in there somewhere. <laughs> it's an homage <laughs> homage to Wales. It's an homage to Wales, exactly, and and. Cardiff, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that makes sense because wasn't that where the uh, name of the planet came in with Boomtown? And so it, 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 it I think that's where they mentioned Rassicorius. Yeah, exactly. The episode showcases Cardiff, and the home planet showcases the Welsh language. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then we move into our season finale, which is Bad Wolf and the party, which was great. 
Love, love, love those Dalek scumbag. That's awesome. I genuinely thought that Rose was dead because uh, I thought they were going to just reset and reboot with a new Doctor. Mm-hmm. I loved. I mean, obviously it's a bit dated now with Trini and Susanna, and um, you know the weakest link. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that that time my kids loved the weakest link. Um, whenever we went mm-hmm. to stay in Britain, they certainly my eldest daughter would would obsessively watch the weakest link. So mm-hmm. great to have a little bit of just just random TV satire in there. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was just really really well done liked it a lot well the thing that i i think this exposed to me rtd's mean streak of creating characters that you that you fall in love with but to kill off you know kind of I that, like that. Uh, oh, Do that. okay yeah. you, i don't like that uh, that um, manipulative uh, emotionally manipulative type writing so with, oh, with okay. uh, linda mm-hmm. linda with a y Linda with a Y. Oh no, she's dead. Yeah, I, I and you know he would do it again. With, he would do it again. And uh, I mean, I guess the the most egregious example would be with Donna. You know, basically the whole idea of Donna is fall, have you fall in love with Donna and then just yeah. And anyway, we'll get into Donna at some other point. But uh, yeah, with, yeah, li- yeah. I I really liked Linda with a Y, and I felt very betrayed. <laughs> I guess again <laughs> by RTD. Sort of like, okay, I'm losing my doctor. You kill off Linda with a Y. <laughs> what is the show coming to? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I, I like, I like, cause you know, maybe Rose is dead. Maybe Linda, what, you know, with, maybe with, well, maybe anyone can be lined up to be new, well, to, he, to, to be new. Kind of was thinking that Linda with a Y would be the new companion. Rose was, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the whole kind of Rose magic pixie dust. Mm-hmm thing is, is a little bit it's a little bit much but then you know i mean you have to solve the problem you have to you have to resolve the plot in some way mm-hmm. you got to defeat the daleks mm-hmm. so it's hard to do because they're really amazing now, and hard to this, defeat so you know. this was a series of jack barrowman in there who was he was naked and then with the offline saying ladies your ratings have just gone up or something like that yeah and he pulls the gun out of his, out of his bottom yeah, yeah okay so that probably so <laughs> By then, we were we knew that RT, RTD was producing a dramatically different show than <laughs> that had ever been produced before. Exactly, you were yeah. uh, you were not. <laughs> this did not happen with Philip Hinchcliffe. <laughs> did not. It's it's and it, you know it's it was it's it's a it was it was just obvious this was a radically different show mm-hmm. from any other different show, and it you know created a. <laughs> A blueprint for for a whole you know genre of new kinds of TV drama mm-hmm. It's genius. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. I just such a good job. Mm-hmm. So we it was a interesting final. It was great seeing the Daleks come back in oh, in gorgeous on mass, so to speak, with the love double you know Dalek sound in the spaceship mm-hmm. and the you, all the little just things that I mean the the kind of fan the kisses to the past. The kisses to the past that, that that Nathan Turner said he was doing because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He just got wrong mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. RTD got right every time. Just mm-hmm. to hear that Dalek spaceship sound, mm-hmm. like, yes, the Daleks are back. That's what their mm-hmm. spaceships sound like. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I think there's a lot of kisses to the past or stuff in RTD's first year, but without having to full-blown acknowledge that this was the continuity or this was the Ninth Doctor, see, because... There was no regeneration. This was, yep. this was, or could have been seen as a totally new take on it. It could have been, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, uh, like Star Trek's Next Generation. It could have been this another 
yep. another story another time lord yeah or whatever yeah yeah and i think in some ways we still really don't i mean i think it's still slightly unclear of whether christopher eccleston's ninth doctor had regenerated uh, right before rose mm-hmm. or whether he had been time warring time whoring for a while before then and we don't well i think i think the idea was at the time you know this is before moffat's 50th anniversary solution but we had probably uh, christopher eccleston fighting the time war and he was yeah ptsd suffering uh, time lord yeah yeah i mean much as i much as i love john hurt and i mean you know there's there's nothing to not like about john hurt who's a one of the greatest living uh, English actors, I think it's a real shame that Eccleston was a, unable to, to participate mm-hmm. in the Time War and the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That is, well, that's, it's, 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 it's an equal disappointment to having uh, Nicholas Courtney come back for Mordred Undead instead of uh, Ian Chesterton, uh, have the brigadier as the, as the school teacher in, Mor- in, Mor- in Mordred Undead mm-hmm. rather, than, um, rather than Ian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's an equal level of like, ugh, if only... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those uh, one of those things. One of those things can't be helped. Can't be helped. But it will be an endless source of angst for me until the day I die, and probably beyond as well when I'm in beyond the grave. Let's see. It took uh, Tom Baker into his seventies uh, before he started doing Big Finish. So maybe in uh, Eccleston will come back. Thirty in thirty do. years, uh, Christopher Eccleston will be looking at his pension from the Actors <laughs> Retirement Actors Guild, Actors exactly. Guild, and saying from hmm, equity. Yeah, I need to do some Big Finish now. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that time, we'll expand. Whether we'll find out what happened before Rose, <laughs> we will. Nick, Nicholas Briggs will write us some awesome like retcon thing. And as I'm doddering around my old people's home with my with my space age headphones mm-hmm. on, I will be listening to it. Yes, Ex- <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so, David Tennant, Casanova. He, he here he comes. Yeah, yep. exactly. So we we finish up with Casanova, and it's sort of like the casting decision. I I had no fault with it. Colonel Brimacon Wood from Out of Big Finish. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always a Doctor Who fan, yeah. And that was, honestly, that's what sold me on David Tennant, is that he was a Doctor Who fan, and he wanted to play this role, and the reason why he got into acting was Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, gotta love him, gotta love him. And then we had the Children in Need, the Pugsy cutaway of the regeneration scene. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which was good. Yep, worked really well, and yeah, and then we're straight into David, yeah. And then we had the Christmas, and I think we'll end it before we get to Christmas, because that's technically Series 2. It is Series 2. But yeah, no, I mean, I as soon as I heard that he'd been cast, I knew that the show was safe, because I knew he was a fan, um, and I knew he was a superb actor as well, because I'd seen him on TV, and I listened to audios he'd done, and mm-hmm. yeah, so good. So, highlights, uh, I guess, what would be your number one story of Season 1? Number one story, season one. I think number one story would be. Uh, I think we'd probably go Dalek, um, and then we go Rose, and then we do uh, Parting of the Ways, and the other one that's the two parter on that. Empty one. Child. And uh, no, no, no. Um, I like the Empty Child. I oh. think it's a little bit empty. No, uh, Bad Wolf and and Parting of the Ways ah, okay. um, would be my third choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, about, how about you? Probably I would do the Unquiet Dead, Father's Day, and Dalek. Okay, interesting. All right, yeah. Maybe Empty Child. Well, let's just make the point there that, you know, we're two diehard Doctor Who fans for many, many years, and we've picked 
different favourite episodes from that first season. Mm -hmm. So it obviously was able to appeal all across the board to every different kind of person and was uniformly excellent enough for two diehard Doctor Who fans to pretty much like the whole season. A little bit of something for everyone. A little something for everyone, possibly from the one with Simon Pegg in it. Smorgasbord Doctor Who. Smorgasbord of excellence. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds tasty. All right, well, thank you for listening. If you have been, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for listening, and this has been our retrospective of series one and i've been david and i've been ben it's um it's good night from me and good night for me have a pleasant evening fantastic, fantastic.